Welcome to Angry Americans. Welcome to episode 22. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. You know the deal. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. How high is the water, mama? Two feet high and rise. How high is the water, papa? She said it's two feet high and rising. But we can make it to the road in a homemade boat Cause that's the only thing we got left that'll float It's already over all the wheat and oats Two feet high and rising The water is rising The weather is shifting End of summer is coming Fall is coming And storms are coming Literally and politically So no guests this week Just a total and fast focus on the weather changes that are about to hit our country and our world that you should know about. These are the urgent priorities that are impacting the future of our country. And of course, we've got some issues that have me angry, have many others angry, and should have everyone angry. Because if you're not angry, you're not paying attention, and attention must be paid. Now look, I'm on vacation right now. I try hard to take vacation. It's not always easy. But one of my mentors, the great Les Gelb, always tells me, take vacation or you get stupid. Take vacation or you get stupid. And it's true. You got to do it. Even if it's just for a day or a few hours. Take vacation or you do get stupid. And I'm taking a half day break from my vacation right now to create and record this show. Because there's damn important stuff happening right now. And I'm doing this show right near the water where an actual storm is pounding the coast. And different kinds of storms are gathering, real and political. And of course, some are created by our president, the guy who obviously didn't learn Les Gelb's lesson about vacation. Maybe that's his excuse for all the stupid shit he does. But he really doesn't take vacation, which on some levels is a blessing. The last thing we, and the rest of the world, needs to see is Trump with his shirt off, riding horses bareback or wrestling alligators or any of that shit that Putin does. If you don't know what I'm talking about, after this show, Google Putin shirt off. And that'll be your own little vacation of sorts. But Trump's many days of playing golf at his own golf courses, that doesn't count. The countless Big Macs in his bathroom watching Fox News, that doesn't count. His recent trip to the G7 definitely doesn't count. It was in Baritz, France, an elegant seaside town on France's southwestern Basque Coast. It's a place that's been a popular resort since European royalty started visiting there back in the 1800s. And it's the latest place to be hit by a storm that we now know as Hurricane Donald, a.k.a. Hurricane Massive Rudeness. If you weren't tracking, Trump did what he always does, barreling into a key diplomatic summit like a drunken Johnny Manziel at a campus keg party. The G7 summit was founded in 1975. It's supposed to foster collaboration on global issues between the world's seven largest economic powers. That means France, Great Britain, Canada, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the U.S. And as other leaders talked about issues like Iran and the fires that are devastating the Amazon rainforest, Trump instead interjected constantly and asked why Russia shouldn't be included in the talks. Now, the G7 expanded into the G8 in 1997 to include Russia after the Cold War. 
but it kicked Russia out in 2014 after President Vladimir Putin ordered the invasion and the annexation of Crimea. And then he deployed men and material to aid separatists in eastern Ukraine. So Russia was kicked out, which makes sense, especially for America. Because last year, Washington sanctioned Moscow and expelled dozens of Russian diplomats because of Russia's use of military-grade chemical weapons against dissidents living in Great Britain. Then, of course, there's that pesky, unaddressed issue of Russia attacking our elections. And look, I don't say meddling in our elections because it wasn't meddling. It was an attack. Every American intelligence agency, the Mueller report, and even Marianne Williamson's crystal ball have confirmed it. But instead of focusing on the real storms that need stopping, Trump created a shitstorm of his own, focusing instead on his buddy Putin. And of course, he also shit on Obama, blamed him for any problems, took shots at the American media, and talked weirdly about how great Melania is getting along with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, which is just weird and gross especially considering the attention paid to the entire G7 was focused mainly on a viral photo of Melania looking lovingly at Justin Trudeau, the handsome prime minister of Canada. In the end, most world leaders were annoyed and pissed and nothing really got solved and the G7 didn't go well for America or for Trump. And now he's back home as we're all rolling into Labor Day weekend facing some really important and real storms including Tropical Storm Dorian, which is on path to hit Puerto Rico. Our fellow American citizens in Puerto Rico are on high alert right now for a hurricane. As the storm crosses into the Eastern Caribbean, Puerto Rico is under a state of emergency and faces the possibility of a major direct hit. It's expected to hit Puerto Rico on Wednesday at near hurricane strength. Officials say they're ready with enough fuel and emergency supplies on hand, and Trump has issued an emergency declaration authorizing federal relief efforts. But instead of focusing on rallying our G7 allies to help prepare Puerto Rico for a real storm, he played his normal games. He refused to help them address the storm of fires that are sweeping across the Amazon right now and refused to rally them to prepare for the storm about to hit an American territory right now. Maybe... That's because he has a plan. Now, don't go relaxing just yet. Yes, he has a plan, but it's a completely fucking crazy one. This week, Axios reported that Trump suggested nuking hurricanes to stop them from hitting the U.S. Yes, nuking hurricanes. That's his plan. Jonathan Swan over at Axios had the exclusive. So apparently Trump has suggested numerous times to Homeland Security and national security officials that they explore using nuclear bombs to stop hurricanes from hitting the U.S. Sources have heard the president's private remarks and been briefed on a National Security Council memorandum that recorded those comments. So behind the scenes, during one hurricane briefing at the White House, Trump said, quote, I got it. I got it. Why don't we nuke them? According to one source that was there. He said, quote, they start forming off the coast of Africa. They're moving across the Atlantic. We drop a bomb inside the eye of a hurricane and disrupts it. Why can't we do that? The source said, paraphrasing the president's remark. I'm not even going to try to do a Trump voice because I can't do it. It's crazy enough on its own right. But asked how the briefer reacted, the source recalled that he said something to the effect of, sir, we'll look into that. 
Trump apparently replied by asking incredulously how many hurricanes the U.S. could handle and reiterating his suggestion that the government intervene before they make landfall. The briefer was, quote, knocked back on his heels. And the source in the room added, quote, you could hear a gnat fart in that meeting. People were astonished. After the meeting ended, we thought, what the fuck? What do we do with this? That's the reporting from Axios's Jonathan Swan. This is really happening, folks. Our commander-in-chief thinks we should nuke hurricanes. Needless to say, the Department of Defense is not on board. And related, an issue you should know about that is also troubling. This week, the Navy pulled the plug on a climate task force. Now, this was despite the fact that the Pentagon deems climate change a national security issue. The Pentagon's been consistent. They say that climate change and the related storms are legitimate national security priority. On August 7th, E&E News Greenwire reported the service had been quietly shuttering its task force climate change five months prior with little public notice. A Navy spokesperson told the online publication, which covers energy and environmental issues, the program ended because, quote, its functions have been transitioned to existing business processes. Hmm. Well, the Stars and Stripes reached out and request for comment from the Navy on the task force, but the Navy didn't answer. The task force closure came two months after the Department of Defense report on climate change effects on defense issues. In that report, the department deemed the phenomenon of a, quote, national security issue with potential impacts on DOD missions, operational places, and installations. It listed recurrent flooding, drought, desertification, wildfires, and thawing permafrost as climate-caused events that Defense Department installations could be vulnerable to in the coming 20 years. In the Navy alone, the January report said 16 installations are suffering from reoccurrent flooding, 18 from drought, and 7 from wildfires. The report said, quote, the DOD must be able to adapt to current and future operations to address the impacts of a variety of threats and conditions, including those from weather and national events. But of course, Trump's not listening to his Pentagon about this or any other national security priorities, which has created a flood of issues across the military and the defense community for years now, most notably with General Mattis. I've covered this in past episodes, but speaking of storms, General Jim Mattis is one. And he's back. The Cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash, I kill a man wearing it. So run, you cur. Uh, run! Tell all the other curs the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Yep. Mattis is back. Now, that wasn't audio of him. That was Kurt Russell as Wired Earp and Tombstone. And Mattis won't come out guns blazing quite like that. But he is coming, and he can be a Wyatt Earp of sorts. Although I doubt he'll go full Wyatt Earp. We can all hope. And he gave me a good reason to play a clip from Tombstone, which I've been looking to do for about 21 episodes. Nevertheless, Mattis is coming out of Parts Unknown, with a new book that drops next week called Call Sign Chaos, Learning to Read. Call Sign Chaos means his call sign in the Marine Corps was chaos. He was called Chaos Six. That's spoiler alert. Call Sign Chaos is not, as the title might suggest, a tell-all expose of Mattis' time in the Pentagon under Trump. Mattis said, quote, I'm old-fashioned. I don't write about sitting presidents. 
He actually only mentions Trump by name four times, all in the prologue's first two pages, and each time taking place prior to the president taking office. That said, Mattis does throw some criticism in there without directly taking shots. And coincidentally, but not really coincidentally, new Defense Secretary Mark Esper and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Joe Dumford, did their first on-camera press conference today, Wednesday, at 1.30 at the Pentagon. That's the first one in about a year. It's been many, many months since anything like that occurred. Maybe it's because they're getting ready for Tropical Storm Mattis. Mattis is doing the retired general leadership book thing. He's light on naming names and heavy on generalities and heavy on talking about leadership broadly, which generals love to do. Kevin Barron over at Defense One had a really good tweet. He said, Still, Mattis was the fifth Secretary of Defense I've covered since joining this beat in 2008, and the fifth in a row to leave office and give a public warning that divisive partisan politics of Washington are harming national security. To deaf ears. That's what Kevin Barron tweeted. He's right. I mean, every Secretary of Defense comes out and warns of partisan politics, and every time it falls on deaf ears. But this time, Mattis is also warning specifically about storm clouds. Mattis wrote, Nations with allies thrive, and those without them wither. Alone, America cannot protect our people and our economy. At this time, we can see storm clouds gathering. True. Storm clouds are gathering. But we need more than just warnings from Mattis, especially now. We need him to take shots. But he is out there in the arena, and I hope we'll get more in the mix. And he just might make a hell of a VP candidate, too, just in case anyone's looking. And they will be. Which gives us a good chance to check in quickly on the horse race that is the 2020 election. Who's up? Who's down? Who's in? Who's out? All right, and after no news on the Republican side for a very long time, we finally have some. Joe Walsh is in. Not the guy from the Eagles. That would be much more interesting, and he'd probably do better against Trump. No, it's Joe Walsh, former one-term congressman from Illinois and Tea Party guy who has a somewhat popular radio show and likes to throw around all kinds of racist crap. Like Trump, Walsh has promoted conspiracy theories about Barack Obama's birthplace, has repeatedly called Obama a Muslim. Uh, he elevated white nationalists on his radio show after the riots in Charlottesville that also left one counter-protester dead. Uh, Walsh has taken to Twitter to defend his right to say, quote, blacks are lazy. He has repeatedly made Islamophobic statements, once tweeting, quote, no more Muslims in the U.S., they want us dead, unquote. In 2014, Walsh was briefly removed from his own radio show for using racist slurs on the air. So Walsh is in. And maybe he can serve a purpose in trying to at least split the vote on the racists or the anti-Muslims or some of the other nasty people that tend to follow Trump and Walsh. Maybe they'll divide the racist vote and that'll be good for whoever's running against Trump. But as for Walsh, running for president has almost no long-term downside, especially for your personal brand. And it'll certainly help boost radio show ratings. Walsh isn't a strong option and pretty damn late, but it's better than just having Governor Bill Weld taking Trump on, right? In my view, the more that challenge Trump, the better. And in case you didn't know, there is another guy running against Trump in the GOP primary named Governor Bill Weld, former governor of Massachusetts. He's still in. But who's out? 
Inslee is out. We hardly knew he was in, but the Washington governor, Jay Inslee, is out. And appropriately timed because he's the guy focused on climate change. The climate change focused candidate told Rachel Maddow this week that he'd never been so confident in America's ability to tackle the issue. So since he's so confident, maybe he can help fight all these crazy storms and advise Trump that nuking them is not the best path forward. Also out this week, Representative Seth Moulton of Massachusetts. He's a congressman. Uh, he's a Marine Corps veteran, did multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, and has been an, a moderate voice for the Democrats. He dropped out of the presidential race, and the day he dropped out actually drew a surprise tweet from Trump, who apparently didn't know who he was. But Seth Moulton's a decorated Marine. He's a moderate voice in the Democratic Party, and I think he made a positive impact for all Americans, especially for veterans. He spoke very candidly and openly about his own invisible injuries and about his struggles with post-traumatic stress disorder. So I want to thank him for stepping up and continuing to step up. I hope he can get a break with his family and take some vacation after Trump stops messing with him. I think he deserves a rest and we're going to need Seth Moulton for the many fights ahead. But Moulton is out with definitely more to drop out in the next few weeks. Also out, not in the presidential race though, but of note, Andrew Luck. Yep, Andrew Luck retired this week. Now, Maybe someone can convince Trump to retire. Tell him Michael Jordan and Jay-Z and Kanye did it. The last one in particular might convince him. But Luck, the all-pro quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, is retiring. He's always been a smart man. He makes over $100 million. He has a Stanford degree. And he's been constantly injured. I don't think he owes anybody anything. And it is just a game. So I wish him luck moving on. And I think it does reflect a really important trend happening in the NFL. Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, played his last game at 29 years old. Calvin Johnson was 30. Andrew Luck was 29. Patrick Willis and some other stars retired in that same age range as well. Every time one of these guys steps away from the game, people seem shocked. But they shouldn't be. These players are smart. And when they see a storm coming, a storm of pain... They know when it's time to bring the boat back into the dock, strap it in, get a beer, and call it a day. But there is a storm coming for the NFL this fall for sure, but also for America. It's been a wild summer, and it's not going to go quietly. I can't stand the rain against my window. Yep, the forecast for America is rain. Many turbulent, tumultuous storms with lots of rain. But together, we can stand the rain. We can get our sandbags out. We can help our neighbors. And we can make it through. But we better start preparing now. Because that rain is definitely coming. So watch this space. And until then, enjoy your last few days of summer. Don't be like Trump. Take vacation. Take vacation where you get stupid. I hope that's one of the many pieces of useful knowledge we brought you this summer on Angry Americans. In this episode, and in the last 21, I hope we've brought you the four eyes. A blizzard of integrity, a tsunami of information, a wildfire of impact, and a typhoon of inspiration. I like the word typhoon. I wouldn't want to be in one, but it's a fun word to say. And despite the madness, it's been a fun summer with all of you. But get ready for an even wilder fall and bring a life jacket because that water level is going up across the board in every way. And if we stick together, we can stick it out. Just like we always do. 
This is Angry Americans, episode 22. Okay, no matter what the weather is outside, you sometimes have to wear a dress shirt. We all have to do it, whether it's raining, whether it's hot, whether it's a hurricane or a typhoon. And there is nothing fun about a dress shirt. Very little upside. And we've got to wear them. Fall is coming. If you've been wearing a t-shirt all summer, reality's about to hit. You're going to have to wear a collared shirt at some point. Whether you wear a tie or you pull an Andrew Yang and do it without a tie, you're going to have to wear a shirt. So I got some good news. Somebody's actually made them better. If you listen to this show, you know that someone is Mizzen in Maine. They make dress shirts for men that are actually comfortable. You heard that right. Dress shirts that are actually comfortable and they come from Mizzen in Maine. They've got performance fabrics and they stretch and move with you all day long. And if you do happen to get caught in a storm and you have a cotton shirt on, you're screwed. That cotton shirt's going to soak it up and take forever to fully dry. I've been there many times, but not Mizzen and Maine. Their performance fabrics dry quickly and whisk away moisture so you never have to worry about looking like a mess. Whether it's too hot or too wet, Mizzen and Maine is a dynamic option that you want. That's why NFL superstar J.J. Watt wears them. He's coming back, folks. Football's here. Get ready for J.J. Watt. So does golfing legend Phil Mickelson and Bill Simmons from The Ringer. I told you about that. And me. I wear them too. Uh, also important to note that they are made by working people and the company is headquartered in Texas, which I am very proud of and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor on this show. The shirts are wrinkle resistant. They are hurricane resistant, typhoon resistant, making them perfect for travel. So if you're going to hit the road this fall, that's a great way to do it with your Mizzen and Main shirt. These shirts are easy, folks. They work. They're comfortable. And no matter what the weather They're going to make your day sunny and bright. And you can wash them at home without paying a dry cleaner. So head on over to Mizzen Maine's website at www.comfortable.af. Yes, that's really their website, www.comfortable.af. And use the code ANGRYAMERICANS at checkout to get 10 bucks off a dress shirt now. That's ANGRYAMERICANS at the checkout. You can also go to MizzenandMaine.com. Mizzen and Maine, it's never felt better to look your best. All right, folks, just like every episode, it's time to turn your anger, sadness, frustration, inspiration, agony into a storm of positive action. It's time to be a helper. You know, my mother used to say long time ago, whenever there would be any really catastrophe that was on the, in the movies or, or on the air, she would say, always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. That's why I think that if news programs could make a conscious effort of showing rescue teams, of, of showing who, uh, medical people, a- anybody who is coming into a place where there's a tragedy, to be, to be sure that they include that. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. If you're a regular, you know the deal. 
I offer a way of converting your righteous and understandable anger into positive action, a positive action that shows that angry Americans can also be impactful Americans, an action that channels your energy, makes you feel good, and will do some good. And like this show, our actions are always packed with the four eyes, integrity, information, impact, and inspiration. This week, again, you can be a helper. And just like last week, you can help own the tone in America. And you can do that by taking a minute to understand why the hell we have off on Monday from work, school, etc. You can go to history.com or go to the Department of Labor website and share a few nuggets of info with your family and friends or explain it to the kids in the car this weekend. Because just like Memorial Day, Labor Day is and should be more than just about a mattress sale. It's about something really important. Work, 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 work. It's to me, I'll be work, 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 work. You see me do me that, 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 that. It's to me, but I work, 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 work. Where you walk on, la, la, la. So on Monday, September 2nd, 2019, America will celebrate and honor the greatest workers in the world. The American worker. And Labor Day 2019 is actually the 125th anniversary of Labor Day being celebrated as a national holiday. Now, what does it mean? Labor Day is the first Monday in September, and it's a creation of the labor movement and dedicated to the social and economic achievements of the American workers. It constitutes a yearly national tribute to the contributions workers have made to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of our country. The first governmental recognition came through some municipal ordinances that passed back in 1885 and 1886. For these, a movement developed to secure state legislation. And the first state to introduce it was New York, the great empire state. The first to become law was passed by Oregon on February 21st, 1887. During 1887, four more states, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York, created the Labor Day holiday by legislative enactment. By the end of the decade, Connecticut, Nebraska, Pennsylvania had all followed. And by 1894, 23 more states had adopted the holiday. And on June 28, 1894, Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year a legal holiday in the District of Columbia and the territories. More than a century after the first Labor Day observance, there's still some doubt as to who first proposed the holiday for workers. Now, some records show that Peter J. McGuire, the general secretary of the Brotherhood of the Carpenters and Joiners and a co-founder of the American Federation of Labor, was first in suggesting a day to honor, quote, who from rude nature have delved and carved all the grandeur we behold. That's a great quote, right? But Peter McGuire's place in Labor Day history has not gone unchallenged because this is the labor movement after all, right? Many believe that Matthew McGuire, a machinist, not Peter McGuire, founded the holiday. Now, recent research seems to support the contention that Matthew McGuire, later the secretary of Local 344 of the International Association of Machinists in Patterson, New Jersey, proposed the holiday in 1882 while he was serving as the secretary of the Central Labor Union in New York. What is clear is that the Central Labor Union adopted a Labor Day proposal and appointed a committee to plan a demonstration and a picnic. But the first Labor Day, the first one was celebrated on Tuesday, September 5th, 1882 in New York City, in accordance with the plans of that Central Labor Union. The Central Labor Union held its second Labor Day holiday just a year later on September 5th, 1883. And by 1894, 23 states had adopted the holiday. And on June 28th, 1894, President Grover Cleveland signed a law 
making the first Monday in September of each year a national holiday. Now, the form that the observance and celebration of Labor Day should take was outlined in the first proposal of the holiday. It didn't have mattress sales. It set a street parade to exhibit to the public, quote, the strength and esprit de corps of the trade and labor organizations, unquote, of the community, followed by a festival for recreation and amusement of the workers and their families. This became the pattern for celebrations of Labor Day. Speeches by prominent people came later, and an emphasis on the economic and civic significance of the holiday. And still later, by a resolution of the American Federation of Labor Convention of 1909, the Sunday preceding Labor Day was adopted as Labor Sunday and dedicated to the spiritual and educational aspects of the labor movement. Now, the character of Labor Day has changed in recent years, especially in big industrial centers where mass displays and huge parades were kind of a problem. This change, however, is more a shift in emphasis and medium of expression. Labor Day addresses by leading union officials, industrialists, educators, clerics, and government officials are given wide coverage in newspapers, radio, and television. But the vital force of labor added materially to the highest standard of living and the greatest production the world has ever known. And it's brought us closer to the realization of the traditional ideals of economic and political democracy. It's pretty appropriate, then, that our nation pays tribute to Labor Day and to the creator of so much of our nation's strength, freedom, and leadership. The American worker. The real American worker. That's many of you. So raise a glass this weekend to the American worker. And if that includes you, raise one to yourself. So that's my homework for this week. Read a little bit, share a little bit, and drink a little bit. Raise a glass to yourself and to others. And if you've got a story to tell or a resource to share, find us on social media. Use the hashtag AngryAmericans and let me know. Don't just be angry. Be active. Get to work. Work, 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 work. You see me, I be work, 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 work. You see me do me da, 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 da. That's all me about that work, 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 work. When you walk a la, 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 All right, this has been a quick fire episode. Want to thank you all for making it happen. And a couple of people in particular that make every episode happen. Mizzen in Maine, our founding sponsors of this show. They are a working brand. And you should definitely check them out online at Mizzen in Maine. Or if you're in Fort Worth, Texas, Dallas, Oklahoma City, or Miami. Uh, big thanks to the Rockstar team at Righteous Media. My crew, creative Chris Rosenthal, Mighty Mercy Rich, excellent Eric Schonborn. Big Bill Schultz for producing this episode and rocking throughout the summer. He is an audio wizard, and I'm very, very grateful for him. Uh, our friends at Oscar Mike are awesome merchandise partners. Check out all the new designs from them at angryamericans.us now. Made in America by real workers, by real veterans, 100% made in the USA. You want to do something on Labor Day, go support Oscar Mike. Check him out. Uh, big thanks to my dad. My dad spent many years in the electrical union and to my grandfather, who worked for over 40 years at the post office after immigrating this country. And big thanks to my little brother, Mikey. He is what the working man is all about. He is in the Utilities Worker Union of America and the local AFL-CIO 1-2. And every day, he shows me and so many others the grit and determination of the American workers that make this country great. They get out of bed every day, they put food on the table for their families, and they fix things and make things. And you should know that I can't really fix shit. And anytime I need a car fixed or anything fixed, my brother is there. So I'm thankful for that. 
Big thanks also to all the cops, firefighters, and first responders in the unions. Unions have had their issues in America. We all know that. But in many ways, they've changed the face of labor in America and created many of the workers' protections that we now take for granted. Stuff like a five-day work week and overtime pay and child labor laws. I'm a guy who grew up in a working family, and many of my friends and family work hard every day on an hourly wage. They're the backbone of our country. And for them, especially this weekend, I'm thankful. I'm also thankful to you for listening. And it's time for Thank a Listener. Every week, I'll thank a few angry Americans for checking us out. First off, this is a cool one. Jack McCain. Jack McCain, who hails from, according to his bio, our solar system, who tweets at, at McCain Jack. If you don't know who he is, he is the 33-year-old Navy helicopter pilot who trained Afghans to fly Blackhawks in Afghanistan while his father, John McCain, was serving in the Senate. This is John McCain's son. And he, uh, his bio on his Twitter page says, Husband to R.S. Swift McCain, Teddy Roosevelt conservationist, former Afghan hand, helicopter pilot, uh, Deidus votary, and hopeful recontour. He also uh, hooks up with the Military Writers Guild and Simsec. But he tweeted last week that he will absolutely check out this pod. So we want to give a big shout out to Jack McCain and thank him. Uh, there's a fantastic article about him in the Washington Post this week that you should check out. And we also talked about the campaign Acts of Civility uh, that we supported last week to honor the memory of John McCain. Well, Jack McCain is jumping in on that, and he's going to continue to lead that effort going forward. So thanks for tuning in, Jack. And we look forward to supporting you, and I hope you'll join us on the show in the future. Also, big thanks to another listener, Tina W., her location, the edge of sanity. I love these locations. If you put it in your Twitter bio and that's where you say you're from, I'm going to read it. But Tina tweets at at TM Winset. She is a mom. She has two girls. The youngest has autism. She is a proud grandma, a former social worker, a UF alum, a breast cancer survivor, and she hates dementia, which took her mom. Uh, she sent out a great tweet yesterday saying, thank you, Paul Rykoff, for asking. We all remember to daily ask to free Austin Tice. Uh, she wrote, this American journalist and veteran was taken prisoner in Syria seven years ago. Truly something we should all be angry over. Hashtag angry Americans. Thank you, Tina, for the support. We appreciate you. And thank you, everybody, for remembering Austin Tice last week after that episode and continuing to keep that fight alive. If you don't know it, the hashtag is free Austin Tice. You can support his family and support that effort. It's really important. Um, big thanks, lastly, to Jan Burke. She tweets from SoCal. That's what she says. Now, she is really interesting. She is the author of Crime Fiction and More, an advocate for improving forensic science and justice systems, space exploration. And she said, see her website for more, which I did. So Jan Burke is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author. She has won the Edgar for Best Novels and the Agatha, the Macavity, and the Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine Readers Award for Best Short Story. She's got a lot of honors, but her books have been published internationally and been optioned for films and television, and she is the author of over 30 short stories. On her website, which I checked out, I found out that Jan is the author of some really cool titled books, including Convicted, Justice Done, and Case Closed. Jan tweeted this week, the podcast Angry Americans, great interviews. Love it. So thank you, Jan, for tuning in. We appreciate you. Thank you for checking out those interviews. You can find them always at angryamericans.us. And as always, I want to thank my family, my amazing wife, and my spectacular and hilarious two boys. They are the best. And I think the best way I can thank them this week is to wrap up this show and get back on the water. 
And my deepest thanks to you for tuning in. You've been giving me shout outs from all over the country and all over the world. And you've been sharing your feedback on how this podcast can be better. And you've been sharing it with your friends. So please continue to tell those friends to check this podcast out. It's free. And all you got to do is leave a quick review and share it with your friends. We're not charging you the price of admission, so I'm just asking you to spread the word. And check out angryamericans.us. If you're new to the show or you're headed on vacation or just need some good shit for your driving or flying time, go back and check out all the past episodes. In particular, check out the one with Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman from Sons of Anarchy. He played Hellboy. You may not know, he got banned from Twitter for 12 hours this week. If you haven't heard the episode with him, you're missing out. I love that one. It's episode three. I also focus on the lack of public bathrooms in America, which is an ongoing issue and something we should all be angry about. And I interviewed people outside of Stonewall about the trans ban. It's a really cool episode, and I love it. Go back and check it out. It's episode three. Uh, many of you have liked it, and I really, really appreciate it. Keep the feedback coming on social media. I see you, I hear you, and I'm with you. And next week, we will be back again with a fresh new show and lots of very cool interviews this fall. If you stay tuned and subscribe, you'll have this show in your inbox every morning at 0 dark 30 on Thursday. It's actually technically 0301 a.m. Eastern. If you subscribe, when you wake up on Thursday morning, it'll be hot and ready waiting for you. It'll take you through the end of your week and into your weekend. So check that out and continue to spread the word. But thanks for being a part of this movement, and I hope you've had a good summer. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Stay vigilant, America. And happy Labor Day. <laughs>